Welcome to Matthew Felix On Air, coming to you from San Francisco, California, people who create, people who make a difference. Hope you had a great week. I did. Two episodes of my new podcast, uh, the radio episodes, Words and Images, came out. As I mentioned last week, the new podcast makes segments from what was my radio show available, which is now this video podcast, available for the first time ever on iTunes and Google Play. As the name suggests, each episode is a one-hour conversation, one-ish hour conversation with a writer, photographer, filmmaker, or someone else otherwise involved with the written word or visual images. And the first episode this week featured award-winning artist and writer Paul Madonna talking about his All Over Coffee series and his novel Close Enough for the Angels. We also talked about his new series in the Knob Hill Gazette, Quotable City. Then on Thursday, my interview with Outside Magazine founding editor and legendary travel writer Tim Cahill came out, and Tim wowed the show by telling a heart-wrenching story about penguins in the Barcelona Zoo, and he told that Spanish or that story in Spanish for the first time, which I think was his the debut in, in public of him speaking Spanish. So it was it was really powerful. Uh, he also shared his 25-year battle with malaria, which I didn't even know that that's how malaria worked. Um, going deep while writing, and also why dying didn't change much. So Tim died, but it didn't actually change much for him. So anyway, that was a fun episode. We had a horrible connection, but uh, it was good enough to uh, that the podcast still worked out, and it's definitely worth listening. Next week, two more episodes come out, so uh, one on Wednesday, one on Thursday. The first, fe first features author, writer, and filmmaker Aaron Byrne, and... Um, I said author, writer. I meant to say author, filmmaker, and Litwings founder. It's the third thing I meant to say, Erin Byrne. And we talked, and she's actually the one you probably remember who interviewed me on my first uh, video podcast episode. We talked to her, or I talked with her about her recent trip to Spain, uh, including some of the intense spiritual experiences she had, the writing workshop that she led, and also the film that she is working on, currently producing there. The next day, by the way, Erin holds the latest installment of her uh, Litwings event. And uh, it's going to be another great one. So first off, and I know it's going to be a great one because two of the guests have already been on my show. So I've had the chance to speak to them one on one. The first one is filmmaker Erbe Cohen. And he has a fantastic project. Go listen to my podcast. If you're in the Bay Area, come come to the uh, Lit Wings event Tuesday. Wait, Tuesday or Thursday? Thursday. Thursday. I keep getting, we have two events that we're going to talk about. One's on Tuesday, one's on Thursday. Lit Wings is on Thursday in Sausalito. But um Erve Cohen's co project is called Life Underground, and it's just, it's a fascinating project. I'm not sure if that's the one he's going to talk about on Thursday at Litwings, but, because I know he has some other things going on, but whatever he talks about, it'll be great. Tanya Romanoff is uh, the photographer who's going to be, because there's always, at Litwings, there's always a filmmaker, a photographer, and a writer. And so Tanya's going to be the photographer for this installment of Litwings, and Tanya was on my show, but she was on the show in the capacity of a writer. She wrote a great book called Mother Tongue, and it's about three different generations of Balkan women. But her first love is actually photography, and so she's going to talk about that. Lastly, Frances Stroh will be presenting her book, Beer Money. And if you're listening carefully, Stroh, beer, you might have already made the connection. She is part of the Stroh's beer family. And um, I have not read the book. I've heard great things about the book. And the, the subtitle of the book is A Memoir of Privilege and Loss. And so I think that's going to be a really interesting talk as well. Like I said, uh, Thursday, September 20th at Sausalito Book Passage, and it starts at 6.30. Also on Thursday, my second uh, Words and Images podcast is, or 
release of the actually it'll be my third and fourth episodes of that podcast come out the uh sorry no I'm, I'm mixing them up so we already talked about aaron so the fourth episode i already talked about the third that's aaron's episode the fourth is lona merck who is a danish photographer and writer and she was on my show talking about her recent book embody intimate photographic encounters with women and it's a beautiful book i had a great conversation with her about her experience doing this the photography that she does and so check that one out also if you're in copenhagen on october 6th lorna is actually going to be doing a tedx talk there and i unfortunately can't make it to copenhagen i wish i could if i could i would be there because i know that she's going to give an inspiring powerful thought-provoking talk she's like i said my interview with her uh, it was a great conversation but the talk will be available afterwards online and hopefully she'll send me the link and uh, we can watch it from here those of us who can't make it to denmark given that i also have the event organizer sitting across the table from me even though i have not or rec uh, introduced her yet i need to mention that on tuesday like i said we've got one tuesday one thursday but on tuesday the new season of the weekday wanderlust travel writing series kicks off at the mystic hotel in downtown san francisco I love Weekday Wanderlust. As you can see from the video, I was a reader in February, had a great time, and I always, I, always, I always have a great time at that event. I love that event. I've been really looking forward to it. I don't know why Kimberly and Don have to stop them during the summer just because they have other things going on. Uh, it's, ki it's kind of not fair to those of us who really love that event, but like I said, I'm excited that it's kicking back off. And what uh, the, the focus of this Tuesday's event is going to be Hidden Compasses, uh, the online travel writing magazine, Hidden Compasses, one year anniversary. So again, can't wait, really looking forward to that. Before we jump into today's show, I also want to mention that next week I will have Zoe Elton from the Mill Valley Film Festival on. Zoe has also been on my show before, but that was several months ago. And at that time, she wasn't ready, couldn't talk necessarily about uh, this year's festival because she hadn't figured out and she and her team and the festival organizers hadn't figured out what the festival was going to be. Well, now they have because it's about to take place. I can't remember the exact dates, but it takes place in October. And uh, tickets just went on sale, I believe, this week. I'm pretty sure that I saw that on social media. So it's a fantastic festival. Lots of A-listers. Until I did my interview with Zoe, I didn't realize what a big deal it is, quite frankly. I mean, all of the really top A-listers end up at that festival. So it is uh, definitely worth checking out if you are local to the San Francisco Bay Area or if you need an excuse to come check out the Mill Valley Film Festival, and we'll talk all about it next week. All right, so enough about the future. Let's be here now. 100 things to do in San Francisco before you die. Jill Robinson is a Bay Area native and tequila expert who writes about travel, adventure, food, and drink for Afar, National Geographic Traveler, Traveler and Leisure, or Travel and Leisure, Outside, the San Francisco Chronicle, and many more. She has worked at Travel Muse, Yahoo, Excite, CNET, and Hotwired as a managing editor, product manager, and business manager. Best Travel Writing and the Best Women's Travel Writing anthologies have featured her essays, and her magazine and newspaper articles have won many awards. Jill also runs a kayak and stand-up paddleboard business, which sounds really cool. Kimberly Lovato is a freelance writer, author, traveler, francophile, just back from France, and champagne lover, drinking champagne, uh, with a peripatetic soul, and that is a quote from her bio. Kimberly writes about travel, lifestyle, adventure, food, and drink in places such as National Geographic Traveler, Virtuoso Life, Every Day with Rachel Ray, BBC.com, basically any other magazine that's out there. I don't have time to read the whole list. 
Uh, her essays, like Jill's, have won numerous awards and graced the pages of anthologies, again, such as The Best Women's Travel Writing and The Best Travel Writing, which makes me the only person sitting at the table who has not been in The Best Women's Travel Writing. <laughs> I don't know if Lavinia just doesn't like my work. I don't know what I have to do. Like, everyone here has been in The Best Women's Travel Writing except for me, which just doesn't seem fair. Uh, okay, so let's welcome Kimberly and Jill. Hello. Hi, thanks for having us. <laughs> thanks, for having us. <laughs> thanks for being here. So Matthew Felix On Air has a, uh, a limited technical resource budget allocation. And so Jill and Kimberly, I'm not sure which camera to look at. There we go. That's we the camera we're on. Have to share the mic. We'll be sharing. So this, I mean, if you were able to share writing a book, hopefully you can share a mic. That no should be problem. way easier than writing yeah. the bike, the right, writing the book together, we right? We can do that. Yeah. Writing a bike yeah. too. I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you because she was hogging the mic. What did you say? <laughs> what did you I say? I said it's probably easier than riding a bike. And too. then, and then riding wow. a bike. Okay. But before we go too far, I do want to mention that, uh, we're going to do a giveaway. Yes. I mentioned this on social media. I had the idea, forgot the idea, and then Kimberly said, hey, we should do a giveaway. And I was like, that's a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? And actually, I had thought of that, but then I forgot about it. Um, yes, yeah, so I'll put the picture of the book back up. Here it is. I've never pointed anything on screen. It's the reverse. <laughs> Wait, there we go. 100 things to do in San Francisco before you die. And the way we're going to do it is those of, you, those of you who are watching are going to have to listen very closely to the conversation. Of course, you would anyway because Jill and Kimberly are very engaging speakers. But something that we talk about, something that comes up in this conversation, which I have highlighted in my notes to make sure I don't skip it, <laughs> uh, will be the question at the end. And then the first person to answer the question at the end of today's conversation will get the book, 100 Things to Do in San Francisco Before You Die. Yep. Okay. All right. So that's how we're going to do it. Okay. So first off, and I don't know who wants to answer this. Whoever, yeah, you're holding the mic, Kimberly, yeah. so maybe yeah, this is for it. you. <laughs> Depends on the question. Yeah. But I want to know, you know, what prompted you guys to write a book for a travel book for people who are about to die? <laughs> <laughs> well, I admit the, the title does put a lot of pressure on. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to do in San Francisco, and you never know when you're going to die. We, we really, truly hope that it's not anytime <laughs> soon. I, I kind of wish they had put the t uh, parenthetical, we hope is, this isn't anytime soon. Well, yeah, because I thought maybe it's an underserved <laughs> demographic. <laughs> You know, it could be because this could just be the beginning of a yes. lot of books for people who are about to well, die. Well, let us and, know and which like to travel. Let us know which neighborhood they conglomerate in because we'll sell our books there. OK. All right. Outside on the street. That's yeah. right. OK. So that was my first question. But then in all seriousness, then how and why did the opportunity arise for you guys to write the book? Because it's a second edition. <laughs> yes. So it's um, it, the publisher is Reedy Press and I had um, worked on another book, Unique Eats and Eateries of San Francisco with Reedy Press. And um, I really, that came out last year. I really enjoyed the experience with Reedy Press. And they approached me this year or the end of last year about redoing this. And they had an unfortunate warehouse fire that I burned remember. all their inventory. So the first edition of this book was written in 2014. They approached the first authors on redoing the book those authors said no so they approached me which I'm really happy about but I said I would only do it if I could uh, tag team it with Jill ah, yeah. okay okay and how and how do you guys know each other through the travel writing know. sphere I think. I think yeah I think we met it sorry I'm talking over I think we met at book passage travel writers conference yeah. maybe okay. and, yeah. and or among the many um, travel, travel journalists kind of around events. here yeah yeah, yeah. um 
so you did you did just mention that someone else had already done the previous version so I'm just wondering as you guys went and looked at the new ver or the or, or that version what were some of their major mistakes you know what are just some horrible <laughs> things that they did that you, that you would just say I can't believe they did that I didn't really look at that I th I, I, w I did buy the book though and uh -huh. so the, one of the first things I did when Kimberly confirmed that we were writing this one together I bought the first edition and I looked through it for a couple of reasons. One was just to see what the structure was like, to see how, how they lined things out. And another was to just get a general idea of the things that they listed in their hundred. And then I put it away, and I think it's still in the closet where I put it, which is not to say that it's it not a good book to you read. You thought it was lame. No, I just... You just thought it wasn't worth your time. I didn't want to read it and have their words in my head and then accidentally not thinking, write something similar and make it seem like I'm doing something different than completely redoing the book for the second edition. Right. So. Well, and that brings up a point that I actually, and this question is specifically for you, Kimberly, uh -huh. given that you had already written a book, The Unique Eats and Eateries of San Francisco mm -hmm. for the same press, and given that you have a, a food section in this book, I'm guessing that you probably just did a lot of copying and pasting, right, from <laughs> yeah. the from the food um, book into this book, before just to I save that, time. I do want to say that the publishers had great things to say about the first edition. They really loved <laughs> the the writing, and they did approach them first to write it. Um, but I did what Jill did. Yeah, I, but I, it just seems it must have been really flawed, <laughs> you know. Okay, I'm kidding. I don't uh, know who wrote kidding. the first book. He's I haven't kidding. seen the first book. This is all in he's the spirit totally of good joking. fun. I'm sure the first book was amazing, and they were just they had other stuff going on. They had other stuff going on. Like you said, on. they approached the first authors yeah. first, so. Um, but I All was, you know, they, they, and the structure was given to us. So the structure is exactly the same. I did what Jill did. I did not want to have other writers words in my head. I wanted to write this with a fresh, um, fresh voice. We obviously had to include a lot of the same things. We, you're not going to write a book about San Francisco and not put the Golden Gate Bridge or cable cars or the ferry building. So right. there was going to be a lot of overlap. We knew that. So I did exactly what Jill did. I put the book away. Um, to answer your question for the food section, I did tap into the massive amounts of research I did for <laughs> Unique Eats and Eateries of San uh -huh. Francisco. Why, uh -huh. you know, why, what's the expression? Why... I mean, we're three writers. We should yeah, be able to come up with Yeah, we should be able to come up with, come up with Reinvent the, the wheel. wheel. That's yeah. it. Yeah. See, I need more champagne. Yeah. Well, there <laughs> so, is more champagne yeah, so. right here. So uh, let's get, let's take you. care so of that. I'll just treat mine as a reward. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, deserve it. I did tap into that quite a bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun to research this book though. And with a friend, especially. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it saved you like half the work. Yeah. 50-50. Yeah. Yeah. So just quickly, I like to uh, you know look at Wikipedia whenever we're talking about a place. I like to look at Wikipedia and just throw out some facts. So last week I had Nahid Fatahi on. We I, yeah. I talked about some of the facts related to Afghanistan that were interesting and new to me. Hopefully they were interesting to others as well. Just a quick thing. I didn't have a lot about San Francisco that's on Wikipedia that's not already known, but I did think that in the context of this conversation, it was interesting to note that San Francisco, according to Wikipedia, has the fifth highest number of foreign tourists of any city in the United States. Those are foreign tourists. Mm -hmm. And is one of the top 20 destination cities worldwide. So not really surprising, but I just thought it was curious, you know, where does it, where does it fit um, in, in the big picture here? 
But um, oh, more than 25 million visitors arrived in San Francisco in 2016. That's right. So 25 million, and that explains why there are so many people on the streets. Yeah, so much traffic. And <laughs> it's just, it's just, yeah. I mean, can't they just stay down at the wharf? Just kidding again. <laughs> just kidding again. Uh, but they added, and here's why we do love them. I mean, we love them for so many reasons, but we love them because they brought 9.96 billion dollars to our economy. Oh, that's great. So we'll I take it. I didn't know that. Number. We appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. Back to the book. Uh, something that you're very forthcoming about in the intro is that there are actually more than 100 things to do in this book. Mm -hmm. And so it is a little bit of a misrepresentation, and I have to move the champagne <laughs> bottle out of the way, camera. Uh, so were you worried just sort of from an ethical perspective of that misrepresentation <laughs> or even legally of that represent misrepresentation? Um, or maybe uh, conversely, aren't you concerned that you're selling yourselves short? There's more than 100 things in this book. There are more than a hundred things in the book. We just couldn't fit another zero on the title on the cover. It was a printing thing. Ugh, no. <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get it. Oh my god. Kimberly Lovato was hard to fit onto um, one space on the promo pick for this. Oh, well, did I end up doing Kimberly or did I change it to K? I might have just done K Lovato. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Okay. But no, I get those challenges. Yeah. I completely as long understand as it's those not challenges. Kim, that's all that matters. Not Kim. I've never <laughs> called you Kim. No. Um, but seriously. Um, Jill, how do you take a city like San Francisco and come up with more or less 100 things to do? That That's was the hardest. Easy. That was the yeah. hardest thing of I, when it came to writing. I don't want to say writing is easy, but it was easier than settling on the table of contents because what we did is we each kind of blew up an Excel sheet and listed a bunch of things and determined, oh, we, we're too heavy in this area. You know, we need to add more to here. But also, then what would happen is we would say, I think, I think we have it oh no, we forgot this. And then you're like, well, we have to have this. Then what do we take out? Right. And so that's how we kind of came up with peppering those things into the text. So realistically, there's way more than 100 things in the book. Yeah. Um, and we put them in contextually where it makes sense. So that's, a, I mean, I, I, it's not false advertising. We're giving yeah. extra for free. It's a bonus. It's, you know, now with 20% more content. 20%, <laughs> exactly. You should put that on the cover. Yeah. Now with 20% more content. Yeah. That'll be the, uh, the, the pre-holiday pre edition. That'll yeah, be the pre-holiday edition. Sure. Um, so I guess maybe we already sort of touched on this, but... Um, I was going to say, you know, or ask how much of your efforts, because you are both from here, you grew up here, and you've been here for a long, long time. Wait, did you grow up here? No. No, yeah, but you've been here a long, long time. Um, so how much, it seems like you're, you're travel writers, you're more accustomed to writing about other places, with the exception of, of the unique Eats and Eateries book, um, and some other things, no doubt, that I'm sure you've done, the Napa article. But, but in general, your travel writers writing about other places. So... Is it, and you need to see this place objectively. So was it hard to sort of step back and see it like someone who's, who's arriving potentially for the first time or you know, someone who wants to visit it? And did you find yourself yourselves having to come up, how much did you just rely on what you already knew versus saying, well, we do want this to be fresh and having to do kind of some additional research and making your own discoveries? I'm just curious where that pendulum might have ended up. Well, for me, since a lot of, not all the places that come up in the book have I known since I was a kid uh -huh. because there are new things too. Right. But I never want to rely 100% on what I knew because things could have changed. Um, there could be something I don't know. It's shocking, I know. But there, there can be things I don't know. Well, that's when we felt that tremor the other right, day, yeah. right? <laughs> there was a discovery. Jill realized oh something she didn't know, and we felt that tremor. But yeah. also I think that that's something that's very um, – 
that's shared among people who live in San Francisco is that we tend to avoid places that we think that we've, we've done. Like, I, I've been to Fisherman's Wharf. I've been to Alcatraz. I've, I've been to Beach Blanket Babylon. Actually, I haven't. But you haven't? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that's shameful. I know. And you grew up here. Yeah. I that's did. there's kind of no ex we're probably just going to need to go after tonight's yeah, after today's show there. well i think sunday is the matinee is it not yeah, yeah so there's not one at night as no, well i don't know if they have well one we're at going night tomorrow also, i don't know you need to go yeah but but these things that's that scandalous. we we have gone maybe once scandalous and, or not in my case for beach blanket bagable on but uh, how we do you don't say that go <laughs> i just said it wrong <laughs> yeah. but i just i was moving on it's a tough one yeah <laughs> it's a tough one i, I, I stumble going. on that one all the time but but then we don't revisit those places, and I think that this was the perfect opportunity to revisit many of them, to yep. be able to acknowledge that I don't know everything about them, even if I've, you know, did the lock-in in Alcatraz when I was in, you know, elementary school. Right. And be able to really, really look at the details and the information, because what you understand now is much different than what you understood then, and there well, could be little pieces that you glossed over that are new to you. Right. And I think Beach Blanket Babylon, nice. which is I hard like to say. Nice. I like how you slowed down. I, I took a breath that. and I kind of paused. But that's actually a good example because even that one, even though that's the same event, they're constantly updating it. Right. So even that's an example of one. <laughs> now now they're it. fighting over the no, microphone. <laughs> that, that, that was good. I see this this iron grip. And, she, and she's like, no, it's my turn. No, no, it's, it's my turn. That was great. Um, okay, so the book begins with a fun facts section. So what are the funniest or the funnest fun facts in this book? That um, just a couple that jump out, and I have my own list here, but I just want each of you maybe to name one or two, and then I'll I'll bring a couple up that I want to make sure we don't mm. skip over. Well, can I cheat a little? I mean, if because you have to. Because I didn't to. Rem memorize all twenty of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, of course uh, I. Okay, I'm, no, I'm just going to give you some hints go then. In. No, well, I'm going to prompt you. Okay. I'm going to prompt you. Okay. Um, um, so there's there's a traditional there's a traditional treat that helps give us insight into our futures that people think came from someplace else that actually more or less came from here. Yes. Is that good? Yes. Is that a Shall good Shall I mention what it is? <laughs> yeah. Please Fortune do. Fortune cookies. There you go. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Although using the word treat made me go immediately to rice aroni until oh, you but clarified. Oh, that's not in the book. I know, but it's like it's, it's a San Francisco treat. That's true. Treat. No, Apparently, that's a perfect association. Really. I, do they still, yeah, I don't even know. Do they still call it that? Does it still exist? It still exists. It does? And that's what you're getting for Christmas, by the way. Awesome. As long both as it's vegetarian. Uh, both oh, of us. You're a vegetarian. I'm a vegetarian. Okay. I'm sure they have vegetarian rice aroni by now. They well. Vegetarian, gluten-free. Free range. Free range. Yeah. Biodegradable. You know, biodegradable <laughs> bio <laughs> rice aroni. I, you know, I got so sick of that rice aroni not biodegrading. Yes, I For know. years. <laughs> I would put it out on my compost, and I'm like, everything composted except for the rice aroni. <laughs> it's just there. It's, ju it's still life. there. It's like plastic. That's right. That's there probably was petrol, petroleum in it. Okay. So that's, that's one thing. But tell us about it's, it was invented here. What's the deal with fortune cookies? We thought so they came from someplace else. The sweet version was invented here, but they, are, um, they originated in Japan, They're outside of Kyoto. Oh, okay. Yeah, so okay. They, put, they folded sort of savory crackers outside the temple, and they'd put a little fortune in them. So ah. um, they were invented at the Japanese tea garden. Okay, I just need you to know that Matthew James DeCosta now has an earworm because we talked about the San Francisco treat, and so now it's just going to be stuck there. Yeah, sing it. No, I'm not singing. Rice Aroni, the San Francisco, Francisco treat. treat. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't ding. remember that. Yeah, ding ding, and then you got to do the ding ding. So, Matthew, there you go, Matthew. heartfelt <laughs> apologies. Forever. 
from from all of us. I didn't know Rice Roni was going to come up. I wouldn't have brought it up myself, but it's too late. It's out there. <laughs> Actually, Jill brought it up. I did. Jill brought it up. Jill brought it up. Treat. Okay, we gotta we gotta okay. watch that mic because oh, she's sorry. now she's talking without the mic because you okay. wouldn't share it. This is tough. This is tough. Okay, um, so there's another thing about the bridge. What's a fact about the bridge that's constantly misunderstood about the Golden Gate Bridge? So the color of the Golden Gate Bridge, a lot of people think that it's orange. They think that it's red. It really depends, or golden. Or golden. It could be That's golden. That's the whole problem. Yes, it's like very orangey, reddish golden. The, <laughs> the the official official name of the paint that goes on the Golden Gate Bridge is called International Orange. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of really dull. I mean, just the name. It sounds so sort of. Do you want it more sterile, sparkly? Doesn't it? Like yeah. Glittery. What would you call it? Glitter gate. <laughs> We don't. Scandal. That sounds like a scandal. We have enough Fire gates store. going on. We have enough gates. No, I wouldn't call it glitter gate. I don't know. It just seems like something. I don't know. First of all, it should be golden because everyone thinks it's golden. Although I'm so used to the color, I like the color. I'm just used to it. I don't. I don't have an answer for that one. I'm gonna think on it though because okay. it's an important. It is right. an important question. Being a San Franciscan for so long. Okay, international orange is the Golden Gate Bridge color. It's not gold. It's not red. It's not orange. It's kind of orange. It's international orange. Okay, but some. Okay, so I already knew all that. I knew about the fortune cookies because I know San Francisco. Let's be honest. I knew about the fortune Ooh, cookies. Throw down. I knew about the Golden Gate Bridge being international orange. That wasn't new to me. That I, I've known all of that for a long time. But there's something I didn't know. There are a few things I didn't know in this book. Tell us. Which I loved because I want to learn. I'm I'm here to constantly learn and evolve. I mean, I think that's why we're all on this earth spirits in the flesh what i learned is that the fog has a name i did not know that yes. not only does the fog have a name it's got so much more kimberly can you tell us about that well the fog has a name his name is carl and i, I no love idea. carl you love I carl love carl i follow him on twitter he yep. has a, a twitter handle he, i believe he has a facebook page and well let me tell you what instagram does he have an instagram i don't know do if he know? has an instagram but what can i do someone know look it up and let us know what i do know is that he has conflicting there's a that he has conflicting um facebook and twitter accounts oh. one is claiming to be the official the other is the non uh, the unofficial oh. so there's a whole carl's got like a lot of social carl media gate. going on that's a carl gate yeah. we got to get to the bottom of that yes there's even i also i even found a picture when i was doing the research for today's show on carl of him naked oh with the Golden Gate Bridge shielding his privates. Oh. So there's well, a lot. He's modest, Carl. Carl. Carl has been, Carl's out there. So anyway, Carl is the name of the fog, had no idea, multiple pages. Here's something else that I knew, but I love this fact, and most people don't know it, so yes. this is sort of gray area. Um, San Francisco has not always been in the United States. San Francisco has pertained to at least one other country and actually two other countries. Jill? She's giving me a blank stare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mexico. Yes. Spain. Spain. Right. In Spain. Yeah. Yeah. But most people don't realize that. So I'm going to, this is another Wikipedia moment because I think this is, I love this. Yeah. Um, We're waiting for the trick question. Yeah. Yeah. No. So it used to be part of Mexico. People don't realize that. But in Overland, I think people probably, a lot of people probably realize that. But what people probably don't realize is the Spain part. So an Overland, Span Overland Spanish, this is from Wikipedia again, Overland Spanish Exploration Party led by Don Gaspar de Portola arrived on November 2nd, 1769. Seven years later, Spanish established the Presidio of San Francisco, followed by a mission, Mission San Francisco de Asís, Mission Dolores. Uh, but upon independence from Spain, the area became part of Mexico. So the, when it was Spain, uh, 
the Viceroyalty of New Spain was an integral territorial entity of the Spanish Empire established by the Habsburg Spain during the Spanish colonization. It included what is now Mexico, which we knew, but plus California, Nevada, Colorado, Utah, Mexico, New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, Oregon, Washington, Florida, and parts of Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana. So I didn't realize that it was that far flung and that it was actually all of that was considered part of Spain. So that's just a little bit of historical information that I found interesting. Okay, uh, moving on from the fun facts. Oh, yeah, okay, so what about the Mai Tai? Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, rumor has it it was invented in Emeryville. Yeah. So. But what is a Mai Tai? I know the name. You know I know it's a mixed drink. Do you I, guys know what a Mai Tai I is? I know it's a rum. thing. It's got rum and, you know, juice. juice. So none of us actually knows. I don't drink Mai Tai. See, I don't, I, I don't do mixed drinks. I don't make them. I only drink them. So. That's fair. I don't know. That's fair. Fair enough. Ditto. She, she got us most of the way there. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, you. so Kimberly, how's the book organized? Let's talk about the nuts and bolts here. How's the book organized? Uh, so the book is organized into five sections. I'm going to look a little bit here because I don't remember the exact order. So it's um, food and drink, music and entertainment, sports and recreation, culture and history, and shopping and fashion. And okay. under each of those headings, we have anywhere from 20 to 10 um, things you must do that add up to 100. But as Jill said earlier, we've put in tips and fun facts and we've even organized added in extra addresses so it's 20% more okay the second edition has 20% more okay Matthew James DeCoster has just confirmed that Carl has an Instagram site oh I'm so following he you is, Carl he Carl, is, Carl I love thank you, you Matthew I love you, Carl. thank you for that that's very thank helpful you, Matthew. he's everywhere I wonder if he has snapchat while you're at it, Matthew, can, see, <laughs> can you see if he's got... That's the only one I don't, I don't know have. how to Snapchat. I don't, we're, yeah, you have to be 12, I think, to I've, do Snapchat. I ask my daughter all the time to show me, and, and she yeah. gets too exacerbated. It's, so. Yeah, I can't. No, not, not another one, please. Not no. another one. Okay, Kimberly, one thing that stands out, because San Francisco, we're known for food, we're known mm -hmm. for drink. Um, give us one thing that stands out in the food section that we might not already know. Oh, that you might not already know in the food yeah. section. Oh, gosh. Well, you mentioned the, the fortune cookie thing, which I do think is interesting. Yes, um, that And I'm not sure that people would know. I don't um, think most people know that. Yep. And when you say people, I, the book is geared towards visitors. Of course, we also want this to be for people from here yes. uh, as well, because how often, as travelers, we spend a lot of time outside of San Francisco, and I feel like people here don't spend enough time exploring their own backyard. So... But another point, yes, can I ahead. make another, po another point do. that you make that I think is really well taken and that I used your unique eats in Eatery's book, that's another one that's hard to say, eat, eat, <laughs> eh, uh, is when people come and they want to know what to do, then even though I'm the local, I can say, well, here's where I go, but, yes. and it helps the locals bridge that information gap with the visitors as well. For sure. So I mean, I, I have visitors in my house right now. I as had we speak. two weeks. Uh, in April and the question that comes up every time is what are we going to do today and so these types of books are great yeah. I mean there's a lot of great um, info in there and things that I love to go and do as well so mm. I, for me the food thing I'd say the um, the Japanese tea garden and the fortune cookie mm -hmm. is something that maybe a lot of people don't know um, I think a lot of people not from San Francisco will should should try a mission burrito the oh, Mexican yeah. food here is amazing it I mean is. I I travel 
a lot. Jill travels a lot, and the, the first thing I crave when I come home is, is a burrito or a taco. <laughs> and sometimes I call them in from the airport. And you swing, call them in from the <laughs> airport? Because, wow, that I is mean, an addiction. Yes, it's an yeah. addiction. There I are mean, worse addictions people, to have. People but from yeah. California have guacamole in their veins. So. Yeah, it's I think you say that in the book. I probably do. You do. I, you say I that in the book. Yeah, so I'm a cliche. <laughs> what can I say? No, it's fine. It just shows that I read the book. Okay, but here's something. <laughs> Who did the thing on Irish coffee? I did. Okay, then we need to talk about Irish coffee. Okay. The reason being... Irish coffee, I know that it's a San Francisco thing. I know I should know all about it. I know I should have had Irish coffee. But just like Jill hasn't gone to Beach Blanket Babylon, I have not had Irish coffee, and I know it's a thing. So can you help me? Can you help me here? Help me understand this. And I think I go to the Buena Vista at the turnaround. Yes. I know where to get it. Yes. I just haven't done it. So tell okay. us about why this is a thing. So, I mean, the Buena Vista has been there for a really long time, but, but the – Irish coffee, put it on the map, and I am going to tap into Jill here because she knows a little bit more mm. about the San Francisco columnist who had discovered this drink in Ireland, I believe in Shannon, and brought home the idea for this drink, and I'm going to let Jill tell it because she tells it a little better. Take it away, Jill. Are you having me tell the story? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. If she Kimberly can't <laughs> handle it, I mean, let's, I appreciate her honesty. So, you know? Yeah, the columnist is Stanton Delaplane, so he... Um, not as notorious as Herb Kane, but at the same time was, you know, a, a pretty major San Francisco columnist that talked about the city and what was going on. He discovered this fabulous, like, spiked coffee in Ireland, thought it was amazing, and rolled into the Buena Vista one night, talked to the bartender and said, we have to recreate this thing. So they spent supposedly all night, mm -hmm. but I think it's because they were tasting it, and it probably <laughs> could have taken like an hour, but for all the tasting. Right. Um, and they recreated it, but apparently the most difficult part was creating the, the cuff of cream to float on the top, because mm. Kimberly will tell you that it is so heavy that it would just sink, and uh -huh. so they needed to do a lot of scientific and, and taste studies and to make sure that it worked. And in the end, they prevailed. In, in the end, they prevailed. They did the highly scientific thing of frothing the cream. <laughs> <laughs> Which, well, all that matters is they figured it out. Sometimes they, the, the best answers are the simplest that's answers, right? right? Matthew, so. they figured it out. They make 2,000 a day, and you need to have one. Wow. So okay, after, well maybe Beach, after Blanket Beach Blanket Babylon, Babylon <laughs> which is walkable distance. We'll go to Buena Vista. And it's even Vista. downhill. Yes. After Beach Blanket Babylon, we'll go to Buena Vista. Okay. Okay. We'll Tongue twister. All right. Um, in San Francisco, changing gears, this is still in your food section. It's possible to experience an indoor thunderstorm. Mm -hmm. Who's going to tell us about that? I that's at the. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm on Jeopardy for 101 things. Well, in San Francisco I just Jeopardy. I just realized that I think the easiest thing to do is whoever wrote the question, <laughs> yes. then you guys yeah, can field yeah, it, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, it's at the. It's going to uh, suck if I chose all of yours, not knowing <laughs> no, it, and Jill no, just no. sits there. Well, oh, we did mix nice them up, but we did divide it, but we did yeah. mix them up. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's at the Tonga Room in yep. the Fairmont, and that it's the, uh, the it does thunder and uh, rainstorm in the Tonga Room, and it takes place around the I think it's called the Blue Lagoon. Is it called the Blue Lagoon? <laughs> it, which is the former <laughs> indoor pool of the Fairmont right. is now a lagoon in this tropical tiki themed bar uh, at the bottom of the Fairmont Hotel, and it is a San Francisco institution for sure. The only issue is that I heard because they also have lightning. You said thunder, rain, and lightning. Did you know that one of the tourists was recently struck by this lightning? <laughs> Did you know this? Really? We had a tourist struck by the artificial lightning. There's a lawsuit. Okay, now I'm kidding because I don't want a lawsuit. Okay, that's that's right, a joke. That's, that's a yeah. joke. I don't a, want a, a lawsuit. A light bulb burned out. And <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. A small child was struck by lightning next to the pool. Just a disaster. Yes. A publicity disaster. A PR disaster. That's right. 
more some, Mai Tais for everyone. Exactly. More Mai, a lot more Mai Tais really quickly. Um, another place in San Francisco, speaking of publicity, that gets a lot of press, including a very, very famous, no longer with us, unfortunately, um, uh, travel writer, writing food travel writer, is the Swan Oyster Depot. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us about that place and why that's such a big deal? I used to live over there, and there was always a line. Always a line. So tell us a little bit about that. So Swan Oyster Depot is, uh, okay, so everyone in San Francisco, if you haven't waited in line for food, <laughs> you haven't lived in San Francisco long enough. So yep. someone at some point in their San Francisco life will wait in line for something. And Swan Oyster Depot is a uh, fish market and fish cafe, if you will. It basically has a Formica it counter. It looks like a diner. Yeah, a it diner. looks like a, di it's a, like a seafood diner. countertop, yeah. 18 stools, and the lineup starts when it opens at 1030 and it pretty much goes all day especially on weekends and you can get fresh oysters and crab and the same family I believe has been been running it since the 40s San Chimino. Yeah, San Chimino um, family, but since yeah, 46. you mentioned yeah. yeah 46 I mean, it's been around a lot longer, but that family's been there since then. Oh, it's been around since before oh, yeah. then though. Yeah, oh, yeah, interesting. It, mm -hmm. it traded uh, hands right to this family and who are a couple of the famous people who've been there? That um, I was alluding to? Well, you alluded to Anthony Bourdain I who did. went there for one of his shows I believe in 2015. Yeah, just a, not uh, fairly not recently. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. did a great uh, San Francisco piece and he was there and I think I mentioned like Bing Crosby That's might it. have gone in yeah. there. Yeah, Bing Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't sing any of Bing Crosby's songs. No? No. Yeah, that's all right. Joe? I don't know if we're allowed to legally uh, anyway. Oh, probably not. Oh, am I going to get dinged for the Rice and Brownie song? Well, they'll probably just be happy because we'll of the be publicity if they still exist. That's right. Yeah. Um, Matthew is not happy because now he's going to have the song in his head, but everyone else is probably <laughs> fine with that. Okay, but one interesting, this is a quick tangent that I was really curious about in this book, um, or in this for Swan Oyster, is they have a problem with fake websites. Why would... Do you remember this from yes, your book? Yes, Why would people want to create fake websites for this restaurant? I, I don't know if the people are just being <laughs> generous and trying to give the place publicity, but ah. I, I sort of figure that they probably haven't been to San Francisco and seen the line go down Polk Street because... So um, you they think they're doing it with heart? I, I'd like to think so, Matthew. Yeah, you okay. know, more people should do things with heart, so I'm going with that. Okay. All um, right. But they they clearly state next to their big board in the in the restaurant that they do not have a website, and they may make. Oh, they don't have a website at all. They don't. Oh no, they make it clear that there if there is a website out there, it's it's, it's fake. A, it's faux. It's faux news. It's faux news. Interesting. It's faux seafood news. Interesting. Okay, I had no idea. But the websites don't say anything bad or anything. They just say okay. You know, yeah, it's go not here. like place your order here and. Pay now and right. then you get there. And <laughs> I'll deliver no. it to you. Right. Well, that's why I was figuring out like, is this a scam? So it's not a scam. Oh, it's yeah. just. Oh, it's a good idea. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Business opportunity. That's right. Cha ching. Hmm. I'll edit this part out. Yes. <laughs> okay. Jill needs to talk. Yes, she does. And here's what she's going to talk about. What am I going to I'm going to help about? you. Okay. So we know that um, Kimberly loves champagne. She's drinking some as we speak. Cheers to San Francisco. Uh, oh, okay. Cheers. Cheers to San Francisco. Um, Look in the eyes. Ojos, Look ojos. in the eyes. Okay. Mirar en los ojos. Regardez dans les yeux. Merci for speaking French. Um, uh, but you're a tequila expert. I said that mm -hmm. in the bio. I am, yeah. Uh, and do you actually like have some sort of degree or certification, or you just drink a lot of it? I am. Yes. Yes, to all above. Um, uh -huh. I am a... Uh, ninja demi goddess of tequila wow and that's <laughs> having passed having already gotten my master's and doctorate in tequila not real but but 
in a particular institution, it, it is real. <laughs> okay, there's a story there. There's a story there. Um, sadly, we don't have time for that one, I can tell. That's okay. But tell us about tequila in San Francisco. Apparently, we have a really great this tequila place. The story wraps into this. Okay. So in the avenues, or in the Richmond, um, on Geary Street, there is a restaurant called Tommy's Mexican Restaurant, not to be confused with Tommy's Joint. Oh, see, that's what I was thinking. I was like, it's not out in the Richmond. Pe no, oh. people will say Tommy's, and they go, oh, yeah, Joint. No, not I that made one. The Mexican Restaurant. I made the mistake. Uh, oh, and so it has been there since about 1965, serving fantastic Yucatecan food from Tommy and his wife, Elmi, who came here from Mexico. And then the kids uh, have all grown up in the restaurant, and Julio, one of the sons, started in, I feel like it was the early 90s, but I could be a little wrong, um, realizing that tequila is a denomination of origin spirit, which oh, he knew, mm -hmm. which is something that Mexico is proud of. But people in the U.S. were treating it like, yeah, I'm going to take a shot, and I'm going to take another shot, it's and I'm going to take another tequila. shot, and oh, I yeah. forgot to take more shots because I'm drunk and uh, on the floor. He wanted to get people to understand like Kimberly that last night. there is quality. So messy or last like night. Carl, because he's not here today. Carl couldn't make it in. He's still recovering from last yeah. night. Yep. So he started this education program in the bar in the restaurant and so started teaching people about tequila, the growth um, of the product, about you know, harvesting agave. the product. It's agave, but right. it's only one kind of agave. Okay, interesting. And then also the different regions where they grow it, um, what the distillation process is, et cetera. And so he is responsible for educating not only San Franciscans, but people around the world about tequila. Interesting. And so you, if you want to, you pass through the education process. Oh, so this really is where you yes, were educated. Yes, this is where ah, I was educated. interesting. So okay. You, it, it comes from drinking a lot of tequila. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> That's the <laughs> Yeah. But uh -huh. also, you need Good to go to have. Mexico and go to different distilleries. You need to With take this a, program? Yes. Oh, well, wow. you don't have to, but, but if you want to that is part of the program, level, though, I mean. Yes. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And you also have to take a, a serious written test. Um, I was one of the answers of the questions on the written test, along with my friend Harriet, because we were the first two women ninja demigoddesses. Oh, so so women demi women goddess. ninja demigoddess demi is actually the title though of this degree that you get. You get no, that title. Well, it's not women, but it's so I've here's how <laughs> I I got my master's. I'm seeing a separate. Show I got on this. my doctorate. Uh -huh. I got I became a demi goddess and then I was bored. <laughs> I'm like I have nothing left to attain. What right. do I do? I need oh, I can redo one of those degrees as a ninja, which is drinking just drink sipping the tequila instead of mixing it in a margarita or something like that. Mm. So I just I just wanted to like have extra extra credit. <laughs> right. You've always been an overachiever it sounds like. Apparently. I can tell. <laughs> with okay. With tequila, yeah. With tequila, yeah. Uh, welcome Joe Hughes, and nice to see you, Joe. And welcome Jan Johnson Reynolds, who apparently Kimberly knows. Yeah. Yeah. She's claiming to be your, your blood relative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so welcome, Joe and Jan. Nice to have you. Uh, the last thing I want to ask about food is something, again, that I did not know and that seemed interesting. So we have America's only independent cheese school. They teach something that's really specific. Do you know what I'm referring to? Uh, I like how to sniff out cheese i'm guessing how by your, or you have a bad brie. cold how to sniff brie so that's yes. a thing so but i did not know that there was this particular way i shouldn't be surprised it's a french thing yes and it is an art <laughs> the cheese is an art but i didn't know do do you did you actually learn how to sniff brie can you give us any insight because that's new to me as well so i had no idea either so in researching this i, I haven't taken a class yet 
at the cheese school. They just moved to Ghirardelli Square and yeah. opened, I think, on September 11th. They opened at Ghirardelli Square, a brand new cheese shop, cafe, uh, store, So and have a lot more classes to offer. Uh, so, you know, let's go sniff away. Let's do it. I know. I want to know. I did, in all seriousness, and, and, and like I said, you're just back from France. You spend a lot of time mm -hmm. in France, so this may have happened to you as well. I did one time in France when I was doing a cheese thing at one of these cheese places, I forget, the fromagerie or whatever they're called. Um, I sniffed a cheese that was so bad, it burnt my nostrils. Oh, wow. I mean, it burned my nostrils. It was yeah. painful. Oh, dear. There are some that are really, so that's probably why you have to learn how yeah. to do it is so that you don't injure yourself. Well, and maybe, maybe it was just bad cheese. Or you think I don't know. Cheese, I think pungent. it was good cheese. I think it was just really pungent. Yeah. It was one of those regional, you know, I super specific. And it probably aged for like 700 years. <laughs> and, yes. You know, he is the best yeah. when it comes to cheese anyway. All right. So we don't know how to sniff Brie, but we're going to maybe find out. Yeah, go I think to the we cheese need to know school. that. And maybe we'll do it over some tequila because Brie and tequila go so well together. Why okay. Not? We've got to move on in the interest of time to music. I'm looking at my cheat sheet here. Okay. Um, we already talked about Beach Blanket Babylon a little bit, although I'm just going to throw out, because we didn't really say what it is. So it's this political satire. They changed the show per what's going on in today's political climate. It's been it's the longest-running musical review in the world. Mm -hmm. If you come to San Francisco, unless you're Jill, it's totally worth <laughs> checking out. <laughs> totally worth checking out. So we already mentioned that in the music entertainment. I just wanted to fill in that blank a little bit. Um, we talked about before the show, we talked about Sing Along in the Castro. Yes. So that's one of our things. I, I, I don't know if others, other cities must do that as well, but, but that's something that's, that's very, very San Francisco that we've done for a long time. I took my nephew to do it. He loved it. Oh, can, you you, can you tell people about uh, Sing, Along, uh, Sing Along at the Castro? Yeah, so I think it's, I don't know how often it's done a year. Pretty, several, pretty frequently. Several, yeah, yeah I, several times a month, once a month, once every eight, six weeks, eight I bet weeks. it's once a month -ish. Yeah, so yeah. they have a, a film, and people, they invite people to come and sing along, and dress in costume if, is in highly encouraged, <laughs> and it's just really fun, because you know those movies, you can't sing in the movie theater normally, no. so... Um, Unless it's, it's Rocky Horror or something. Yeah, well, yeah. Rocky Horror. They, they do, do, do that, that there, there as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, like I just, on the way here to this interview, they're showing Mamma Mia sing along right now. There and you I kind of want to go. They're showing it right now. Uh, I don't know this oh, minute, today or, but or today it's on the marquee okay, good. for Mamma Mia. Okay, Mamma Mia, which I've not seen. Uh, so maybe that would be a perfect, well, no. Well, yeah, I can sing along because it's ABBA, yeah, so right? Yeah, Mamma Mia ABBA. is ABBA. So yeah, I could sing so along even though I haven't seen the movie. All right, maybe yes. I'll check it out. And they have some that are like very kid-friendly too, like some of the Disney popular Disney uh, hits. Okay, too. so so I just I just so that's awesome. But I'm sorry, I got distracted because I realized there's one really important thing that you left out about the Castro. Oh my gosh! And this I am putting you on the spot Don't about put me the on Castro. The spot. Do you know, Jill? Yes, Jill got it. Okay, tell us. It has an amazing organ, yes. and that's like the whole point of the sing-along sometimes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're singing to the music that's in the film, but the organ's part of it. Well, and it's not even just the organ. It's the fact that even if it's not a sing-along, yeah. even if it's not a sing-along, at Everything the beginning of every movie, regardless of what the movie is, there is a live organ player, and the organ raises up, rises up, whatever the correct verb tense is there. It rises up. And then the guy plays, and then he sinks yeah. back down and vanishes, and he waves to everybody. And it's and it's always the same guy, I think. I think so. It seems I to me like it's always the same guy. Consistently to yeah. be able to tell you that. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but it's just it's a really cool that they still do that. Yeah. And and um, so anyway, I just I love right, that part yeah. of. No, it's okay. But that was a that's just yeah. a good nugget I thought worth sharing for people who haven't already yeah, experienced that. Uh, Jill, can you give us one other? 
and I can prompt you, music and entertainment thing that people should know about San Francisco that's maybe something that they should know or something they maybe haven't heard about? Anything that jumps out? Festivals. I, I have a okay. So festivals are amazing. I have a personal favorite, but it is not an it's not an under the radar institution. Okay, that's fine. It doesn't have to. I be. used to work at the San Francisco Symphony, ah, so I have okay. a special uh -huh. place in my heart for. I do, but I didn't play it for the symphony. <laughs> I, I worked in administration. I did. <laughs> so, uh -huh. th but the symphony, opera, and ballet are all housed together right around the War Memorial, and so the Symphony, Davies Symphony Hall, and then the War Memorial is where those three institutions have their performances, and they're amazing. And I was I was looking at my notes for a second. Did you mention the jazz that's also really close oh, by? Oh, right. Well, they're close by. Not the so same, the SF, but it's really close. Right? Yeah, SF Jazz yeah. Center is amazing. Right. Also, close by, opened. Very recently. I want to say s five years ago. Yeah, there pretty in recently. The new space. Yeah. Fillmore's not far. Fillmore's not far. Mm hmm. Okay, so that's the festivals music. are great. Yeah, is, was that the prompt? Oh <laughs> uh, well, that was the prompt, <laughs> but let's just go through them really quickly. A couple of the the highlights of the festivals. There's outside lands. Outside lands. The bluegrass festival is and awesome. Hardly strictly bluegrass. Love that festival. Yep. Uh, we what just else? had got another SF, one. We have jazz festival. Jazz fest. Stern, Stern Grove, Grove, which is great because that's free. Yes. Stern Grove which is free, is and it's nice. big names, and it's free. But Carl sometimes shows up. Carl, Carl, sometimes shows Carl up. prefers the Stern Grove Festival, I he think, actually because frequents. it is free. He does frequent, yeah, because it's free. <laughs> and Carl's, Carl's cheap. a cheapskate. He's so sweet. <laughs> he's so sweet, but he's kind of cheap. Yeah, it's kind of cheap. He's, he's a little cold. He's a little cold. He, has a, he can be really cold at times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like him. I love him. I love Carl. But he let's has just a great sense honest. of humor. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's very whimsical and unpredictable. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to sports recreation. Sports and recreation. We have a race that um, everybody's got races. All the cities have races. They're all, and it's for a lot of worthy causes, and sometimes it's just for fun. We have a race, though, that I think is pretty different from any other. Jill, do you want to tell us about that? The Beta Breakers. That's it. Yeah. It yeah. was actually, the one thing people don't know is it was started not immediately after the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. Oh, wow. I think it was started in the teens um, as a way to kind of up lift up the city really? spirit after the earthquake. Interesting. And I don't, I don't think it existed in the way it exists now back then. Yeah. But nowadays, it is truly a foot race. Um, you can walk it if you want. I have walked it. I have run it. Um, it, you know, traverses the city from downtown um, kind of near uh, Embarcadero area all the way over to Golden Gate Park. So it's the bay. You're starting at the bay, bay. and you're ending up at and where the waves Ocean break at the, at the beach. Yes. Um, people do it in costume. People spend a lot of time figuring out the best original costume. Or what was your costume? I did not do it in costume. What? I was boring. <laughs> <laughs> Neither one of you did it in costume. No. You both did it no. and not in costume. But I did do one of the I times know. I did it. I did I do know. it. It used to be a tradition. It's no longer allowed to do it drinking. So I did do it drinking one year. Okay. Well. <laughs> I didn't do it naked, which is, well, that's it's the other not, thing I wouldn't know if about it's a nakedness. tradition, but it is an offshoot of the fact that you are able to choose a costume. And some people say, my costume is no costume. And <laughs> <laughs> is that how they say it? Possibly. <laughs> I don't know. They're just like, I'm going naked. Well, yeah, that and depends. Yeah. How much they've had to, how much tequila they've had at that point. Or, but a lot of people do it naked. they have a very healthy sense of self and decide But they end up bruised, I think. Cool. If you do it naked, it just seems possible. like there's a lot of like black eyes and it, just bruises and all, yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but you, you point out in the book that you, we don't know if the police are going to enforce the nudity ban because technically nudity is not allowed as of a few years ago. You have to have men have to have something covering their schlongs. Women that's presumably have to have something down there as well. I don't know Probably, because that's I think not. It's just the we have a lot more men running around naked stuff. than the women well, in yeah, the city. Uh -huh, go figure. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah, huh. no, it's yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another show. Um, it is true. I talked to the official Beta Breakers folks to find out how do you say people run naked but maybe think about not doing it yeah. without telling them not to. Yeah. And they say it's fine if you say that people do it. It's just we have no control whether the police are going to enforce the yeah. nudity So you're ban. welcome to so give it a shot. Don't it. blame us if... I imagine that the police probably just give it a pass unless it's really egregious. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I'm looking at the time here. One thing I want to talk about, and this is... Um, this is again something that everybody knows about, but it, it, like the bridge, but it's just, it's so central, literally and figuratively, to the city, to what's going on in the city, and that's Golden Gate Park. So can you, maybe Kimberly, can you just give a quick overview of the park? And then I have some facts, because okay. I loved some of these facts about the park. So Golden Gate Park is one of my favorite places in the city. In fact, I met Jill the other day at Outerlands, and I on the way home, I did my little roam through the park because it just brings me a lot of peace yep it's it's a big park in san francisco it's bigger than gold uh central park in new york it is we recommend in the book that you spend an entire day there and you truly could you could spend Easily. a whole weekend there yeah, definitely. um it has museums it has music it has you know flowers it has a bison. conservatory of flowers it has bison it has its resident <laughs> herd of bison it has dutch windmills it has restaurants i mean it, it has slides or a children's corner right the park and um, paddle boats paddle boats on stowe lake and the japanese tea garden that we spoke of and the um, aids memorial grove the aids memorial grove we mentioned in our book and it is truly um it's a truly an oasis in the city <laughs> i have to be very cliche but it is i love that going so there so cliche god i love going there and you're a writer i am i would have thought all right, so I, yeah. I write guidebooks. We have to be cliche. That's true. Let's be honest. <laughs> okay. All right. It makes perfect sense. But your, your guidebooks, however, I can vouch firsthand. I've read all, both of your guidebooks from start to – because you only have those two, right? That we're talking for, about for guidebooks. today, yes. Well, because well, you also have the the um, the I one that you won the award for. The uh, that wasn't the, a guidebook. That's but what I was going to say. That was, that was no, more – No, I wrote another book when I lived in Brussels, Belgium. So I wrote a guidebook on uh, Belgium for Michelin. But I never okay, really I talked about that book. All right. Well, we're not going to talk about that. So I'm I have read your two known guidebooks. Okay. <laughs> Every, San Francisco guidebook. From start to finish. So I can confirm that you are um, – There's. it's not whatever we said it was a second ago because now I got so cliche. lost. It's not cliche. Okay. I want to read. It's fabulous. That's Thank the word you. I would use. Thank I told you, you. I told you a million times. My sisters love those books. Um, okay, I'm going to get comfortable here, and then I'm going to read a couple of facts okay. about Golden Gate Park. So you mentioned that it is larger. It's 20% larger than Central Park, okay. which is very interesting. It's more than 1,000 acres. It, uh, but something you didn't mention that I love, and I, I did know this part. I didn't know some of these things. It was carved out of quote, and this is the quote from Wikipedia, unpromising sand and shore dunes mm -hmm. that were known as the outside lands. That's where outside mm -hmm. lands gets its festival and that part gets, but, um, but so that's one thing that to me is really interesting that it's a quote unquote man-made park, whatever the gender neutral term for man-made is. I'm not sure what that would be. Human-made park, yeah, I guess. It's a human-made, human-created park. So I love that because when you go, that's not what it feels like. It feels like this crazy, you know, wonderland. Um, 
But uh, so that started uh, engineer William Hammond Hall started the park in 1870, became its commissioner in 1871. But then John McLaren, who had apprenticed in Scotland uh, at the home of many of the 19th century's best professional gardeners, when asked by the park commission if he could make Golden Gate Park, quote, one of the one of the beauty spots of the world, he replied by saying, with your aid, gentlemen, and God be willing, that I shall do. He promised that he'd go into the country and walk along a stream until he found a farm and that he'd come back to the garden and recreate what nature had done. And that's what I think he, you do. You think it's a natural thing, even though it's all these weird species. So point being, he ended up then, um, let's see, they, they grew uh, French grass seeds for two years. And then once they had the grass, they planted them to hold the sand down. And then after that success, they were able to, once they'd secured the sand, they introduced new species of plants and is credited, McLaren is credited with adding over 700 new types of trees to California within the span of one year, wow. which I thought was really interesting. Uh, today we wouldn't do that because they're non-natives, but right. it is cool when you're in the park, you see so many species that you're like, where is that from? They're obviously from all over the world. And that's not even in the botanical gardens, that's just all over the park. Um, by 1987, or sorry, 1987, <laughs> 1875, 60,000 trees, mostly eucalyptus globulus, Monterey pine, and Monterey cypress had been planted. By 1879, that figure had more than doubled to 155,000 trees over 1,000 acres. So anyway, I just thought that that was really interesting about the park, a lot of stuff I didn't know. Can I step in? I mean, you're doing no, it exactly. <laughs> I'm going to uh, hook, my, hook myself in. Please do. You're doing exactly what we hope people do for this. I mean, you see the book. It's very short, 130 pages. We had very limited space with each entry. Um, so Jill used a great phrase the other day. You called it, it's an idea generator. Ah. Idea generator. I love, love it. That. And that's sure. what this book is. And we hope that people go and do what you did. Like, here's a little tidbit. Here's what we recommend you go do in Golden Gate Park, but let me dig into like how Golden Gate Parks got started because we just didn't have the room to do that with every entry. So thank you for doing that. And I, I've done that many times in this in, with this book is dig a little bit more into some of the surprises that came up for me. So basically, I fell into your trap, I think is you what did. you're saying. Okay. You did. I was thank a good you. reader. Thank I was a good you. reader. Uh, so one thing I want to mention that you do, and I don't want to go into too much detail just because we're kind of running out of time. Um, is but I do want to mention that in the spirit of some of the additional things that you add some of the side notes and and additional sort of tan not tangents but you know again additional information in addition to the 100 things you do have a section where you sort of cheat in a good way that's day trips mm -hmm. and so you do yes. mention maybe Jill just throw out two or three day trips that that people can take that's that are mentioned in your book so you can easily so many great go ones. over the Golden Gate Bridge and stop in Sausalito which is a sweet little town beautiful views of San Francisco and walk along the waterfront there, maybe go kayaking, maybe just wander, go shopping. Um, I think you own eat. a kayaking I don't company. own a kayak place there. You I don't? actually <laughs> used to work for a kayak uh -huh. company in Sausalito. Like, like, and here's my card for my kayak. Oh no, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay, good, good. So then going up farther north, you can go to Mount Tamalpais, beautiful open space there, Muir Woods. And then you can go farther north and go to Napa, Sonoma, do some drinking, not driving after you do the drinking. That's okay. You can spend the night. It's no big deal. Sure. And they have shuttles where people will drive for True. you. True. Mm -hmm. And then uh, if you go south, and I'm not cutting off anything north of Napa, but, you know, in the interest of time. In the interest of time. Uh, if you go south, you can go to Half Moon Bay uh, this time of year, known for its pumpkins mm -hmm. and pumpkin festival. 
also known for a really amazing kayak shop there in oh, the harbor. Oh, that's where mine is. There we go. There we um, go. So you can stop there or not, whatever. It just all depends on I what think you should. Yeah, I think they stop. should. Yeah, stop. Sure. Yeah. 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 And then if you go across the bay, you can go to Oakland, another um, really great city in San Francisco. I think that, that sometimes people um, blow up the the possibility of competition between San Francisco and Oakland. It seems lately like you either have to love one or the other. And if you <laughs> love, you say you love one, then they say, oh, then you don't like this one. But I grew up in the East Bay, so Oakland is my like my first big city before great San food, Francisco yeah. and great food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I had Jesse Fetterling on oh, yeah, uh, yeah. from Reedy Press, who did 100 Things to Die. No, sorry. 100 <laughs> Things, <laughs> things <laughs> to Die for. 100 <laughs> Ways to Die in Oakland. <laughs> yeah, 100 <laughs> Ways to Die in Oakland. No, 100 <laughs> Things to Do in Oakland Before You Die. So actually, she apparently started the trend for, for books for people who are about to die. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I had her on. And, and that was great for me because living in San Francisco, I don't actually go over that often. You know, I do have a couple friends over there, so it's not for you know I do make it over there but I don't know it that well and there are you know with so much of just the changes that have happened in the Bay Area in the past several years the past decade there's so much stuff uh, so much great stuff going on there there now that I didn't know about and having her on was great for as that there's incredible history there as well which yes. I think gets glossed over in the newness of Oakland that you know you've got a lot of the old parks you have the Black Panther history there there's a great walking tour etc yeah. yep etc Etc. Yeah. Worth a trip. Cross the bridge. You've got. We've got Bart. We've got cars. We've got ferries, ferries, ferries yeah. by land, air. Well, not air. I mean, I guess you could fly from SFO to Oakland. Uh, probably not. It'd probably I be pretty know. circuitous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probably be sir. Okay. Let's talk about culture. Let's talk about culture. So, um, one thing that I would just throw out is that I think people should do Alcatraz if you haven't done Alcatraz because that's one of those things where again it's so touristy. If you're kind of trying to avoid the crowds, you might be tempted to avoid the crowds. But, um, you know, I did, I've done their audio tour two or three times in the 20 years that I've been here. And usually I just send people now, but sometimes I'll still go out because you're in the cell where the, the person who is narrating the audio tour was the person who was in that cell. And I just found that never mind the boat trip out there, never mind the views from out there. So I would just say that Alcatraz is actually something that's really worthwhile, that if you're wondering, should I bother because you have to get reservations ahead, a lot of people go. I think it's really, really worthwhile. And one of the things that I found recently, a few years ago, I went to Alcatraz. And again, growing up here, I've been a bunch of times. But a way to make it new is going and focusing on something different. And the gardens in Alcatraz, like people think gardens, what were there? You had families of the prison keepers. You had the, the prisoners themselves working on these beautiful gardens. And they didn't have a whole lot of water source. So they needed to zeriscape. They needed to make it, you know, right for the appropriate climate and the water that they had. And so some of those plants are, her you know, heritage plants from that time. Yep. And yep. anything that is added is based on photos and things that they have from the time to make mm -hmm. sure that yeah. you get a sense of what it was like. Interesting. Interesting. Did not, I, don't, I don't know that I've, you know, been exposed to the garden, so I will have to check that out the next time. Um... What is the Barbary Coast Trail? Now, I ask that because I've seen the plaques all over. I know it's a thing, but that is one thing that even though I know it exists, I don't actually know what it is. And that's in your book. Oh, oh, I don't care. Uh-oh. Okay. Oh, now they're... Oh, no, I'm trying again. to share. <laughs> I'm, try I'm trying to, like, even it up 50-50, yeah, yeah, okay. right? All right, so you wrote it, but you thought maybe it was Kimberly's turn. Why not? Or just that oh, she tells so it well. Sweet. That's oh, yeah. so sweet. Yeah, but you guys yeah, you so really do work well together, yeah. don't you? Yeah. 
But San Francisco has a has a rich history in the gold rush, in prior to the gold rush as a shipping, a huge shipping port. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times when you're walking around the financial district and kind of Embarcadero area, you think, hey, this is really great. It used to not be there because <laughs> it is all it landfill. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And in fact, right. many places in in that area of San Francisco, they have, as they've excavated and built buildings and things like that, they have discovered uh, ships that were buried there as part of the landfill. And so it, the Barbary Coast Trail is, I think it's 180 plaques mm -hmm. that talk about the history of the area. Maybe it's a specific site that has a rich history that you, you want to learn about what, what was being shanghai like. Um, to be put, you know, get drunk and knocked out and put on a boat to, to work for whatever period of time. That was getting Shanghai. That was here. Oh, so that's you horrible. could get Shanghai here. And, and you were Yikes. essentially working as crew. You didn't volunteer, you were volunteered. So it was <laughs> slave labor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Something to be proud of. So, yeah. exactly. <laughs> no, you know, we have a lot of those. Right. But then also, it used to be rougher. You know, it used to be a lot rougher. Drinking of the time, brothel stuff, even um, the, why am I spacing out on his name? The, um, Norton, yeah, Emperor Norton. That's a spot on the on the trail. You actually see the, the outline of what was his, his house or his palace. <laughs> yes. And so okay, it well, just now you just mentioned who he is. So, Kimberly, can you tell us who, yes. who, uh, who Norton is? I can't, actually. Oh, is that Jill's? Yeah, I mean, Jill, who is Emperor Norton? Essentially a personality of yeah. the time <laughs> that <laughs> was was probably, you know, larger than life in his mind and also in his actions. And he was quite popular, in fact. And I think he declared himself That's Emperor. The That's yeah. the thing. I believe it was of for the, the day. Of the country. Of the country, though. But of the whole but country. It was, but it was only, like, a period of time where oh. this Well, wasn't worked. there, like, a decree in the yes. local paper? Yeah. yeah. But the point is, the whole... Power, the whole center of power in the United States, very briefly shifted <laughs> to San Francisco <laughs> for a day. We ruled, to him. we ruled the country yeah. for a day. I didn't realize it was just for a day. At I, least don't, he was I think it was a short, I mean, I, th I, I think it's either. acknowledged that that lasted yeah. a short period of time. But when he did eventually die, um, he I probably didn't do the hundred things in San Francisco before he did. He, um, he might have done more. He ruled. But he had such a following show up to his funeral that mm -hmm. it was, I don't remember the numbers, but it, it eclipsed pretty much anybody else of note yeah. at the time. Wow, that's touching. God love him. Okay, I learned something about Coit Tower that I didn't know. You dispelled the myth. What's the myth and what's the reality? Who wrote oh, Coit the Tower? Myth. So the myth is that it is... Um, Modeled after a fire hose nozzle. It looks like a fire hose, right. and the woman who donated, or it's in her honor, she hung out at the fire station. Yeah. Yes. So it kind of adds up. So I need to know how you can tell me that that's not really a fire hose. So y it, the romantic story is that yes. it's a fire hose. We love Go the ahead and believe story. it. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> Just in research, because I I knew that was a story. I didn't know if it was true or not. But in research and looking up Lily Coit and and her history and the fact that she was kind of badass of her time. Like she would dress like a dude and she would go hang out at the pool halls and hang out with the guys. Because she wanted to gamble is what you say yeah, in your book. She wanted to gamble and she wanted to drink and she wanted to a live the non-stayed lady life. Yeah. And she also volunteered to work with, uh, forget the fire engine company, company number. Might have been three, like was five. five could, uh, you know. I don't know. A <laughs> number. And uh, she had come into a lot of money and when she died she left quite a bit to San Francisco and wanted it to be used so that people can enjoy the city as she did 
And I think it's the same architect that did Coit Tower as did, darn it, something else. And I'm. That's good. So the remember. architect had other work. Architect had other <laughs> yeah, work yeah. in the city. <laughs> uh -huh. But um, but it apparently it was dispelled that it was a fire hose nozzle. It was something else. It, but, but hey, it looks like one. So it believe looks it. like I don't one care. to me. I'm holding on to that myth. Some people I don't think know. it I looks just, like I just different like that things. myth. Yes. Okay. Uh, Let's just talk quickly about cable cars because there are two things. One is not in your book. One is. Well, I was just surprised in your, this is from your book by how many more there used to be. So yeah, can you yeah. talk a little bit about the ca cable cars? I think the maybe this was Kimberly's. Um, I don't know whose it was. Oh, it <laughs> um, so I mean, who doesn't know what the cable cars are? But maybe yeah. people not from San Francisco know. You would be surprised how many countries are listening to this. I was shocked okay. the other day. <laughs> okay. Seriously, like. So yeah, so the cable cars not everyone might not not are, everyone necessarily knows are the you know, I hate to use the word trolley, <laughs> but they are a method of transportation. The cable cars are pulled up and down the hills and around the city by actual cables. by actual cables right. underneath the roads. And if you walk around on the cable car tracks, you can hear them. You can feel the vibration. Yeah, there used to be a lot if more. You now. live near them. You can you struggle to sleep them, at night. I used to live near them, and it was yeah. just you kind of get used yes. to it, but you kind of yes. don't. I think yeah. about that on on Hyde Street. Yeah, when people are going down, I think about those apartments right there. Exactly. Thinking, Whoa. Exactly. But um, I lived there. It. You have to ride a cable car when you're here, and they. It's a um, really great way to see. Um, uh, see the city. I it mean, is. they cross you know, like the Powell Hyde Street line. I love that it goes from Powell Street down to right by the Buena Vista. And something that I really recommend people do is not just ride the cable cars, but go to the cable car museum mm -hmm. because there you actually see the cables, the big wheel turning. Yep. The big wheel keeps on turning. Um, the grease, mm -hmm. smell the grease, mm -hmm. the vibration. I mean, it's this really uh, visceral proof of uh, li living history of San Francisco it's and proof. it's right there it's, it's proof because there's the, the cable there's the cable and, and the cars are going up yeah. so it must be working yeah and so okay this is the part that's not in your book but oh. that I love this fact famous super famous author who was a cable car conductor conductor my Angela there you go she knows why the cage bird sings dude I know that also the reason you talked about the numbers um I thought about it, but see, I wrote all of my pe parts really long. Yeah. <laughs> I had to cut, and Wait, that was that one thing. I think it was in there, but it's okay. Oh, Don't so Kimberly cut it out. No, no. Seems she, like no, something she, she didn't That was a horrible editorial decision. Horrible editorial decision. Yeah, but one of the reasons that the numbers are not as they used to be, cars. There are other ways for people to get around now, mm -hmm. and what happened is. And let me say what those numbers were, just because yeah. it's interesting. There before the 1906 earthquake and fire, so it sounds like the earthquake and fire also that had something, also had something to do to with, do with it. it. Yeah, <laughs> but before <laughs> the earthquake and fire destroying everything, uh, there were more than 600 cable cars in operation. That's crazy. That's a lot of cable cars, and now we probably have, I don't know, 20, 40 or 20 or I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how many. I don't know how many are going many up and down at one time. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Okay, so uh, we need to move on to shopping and fashion. We're not going to spend that much time. But uh, what's that? We shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't talk about uh, spend that much time on shopping? We can do it. Yeah, well, one thing I liked is I'm just curious which cities you guys are traveling to, and here's why. Um, this is a quote. Bookstores may be <laughs> – wait, I can't even say this with a straight face. Sorry. But <laughs> He's making fun of us. <laughs> yes, I am, I am making fun of you. This is the only thing in the book that I'm, I'm overtly – I'm not even pretending not to make fun of. I'm making fun okay. of you. Quote, got to take a deep breath. 
He's making fun of us. Bookstores may be a thing of the past in some cities, but San Francisco's independent bookstores are still cherished. Okay, what cities have you guys gone to that they don't have bookstores anymore? Independent bookstores, I said. we said, right? No. Oh, that was probably <laughs> a typo then. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I, just think, I think we meant independent bookstores okay. because San Francisco's independent bookstore scene, scene is quite lively and it alive is. and people really support them. So it that is. was an oversight okay. or a typo. It, it went out with Maya Angelou. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. independent there. Anyway, I just thought that was so, funny. And yeah, like I said, I am giving you a hard time. Yes. But Something that I learned on this show at this seat, and he was there, Alan Beats from Borderlands Books was on two weeks ago, I think. And so I had to do some research prior to that show. And something that I learned, which was really encouraging, is that the number of indie bookstores is now going up. Like consistently going back up. So basically what happened is Amazon came in, Borders came in, the indie bookstores were just decimated. But then it kind of stabilized and now they've turned around and you know I think people just realize you get different services they're more important to the community they're offering an experience that is different perhaps complementary perhaps not but you know in some cases it's mm-hmm. comp- so they can both sort of exist and now more bookstores and he was also saying uh, so check out this this talk because it was it was a great conversation with Alan that um, that now you can actually sell bookstores whereas before you could only sell the value of the inventory now, from a business perspective, the reputation, the whatever that part of the business formula is, that the reputation, the the customer base, and all of that thing is now that is now in the price of bookstores. Whereas for a while, it was just what are, what are these books worth? Because your business oh, wow. isn't worth anything else. So I was really encouraged by yeah. that conversation with Alan. I learned a lot from that yes. conversation. So but there are bookstores in other cities. So there are bookstores like in other cities. <laughs> <laughs> Independent Sorry. bookstores. It should read. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> For um, version three, so yes. third edition, and we'll I, add that. I just thought, well, they're not really looking around very much when they travel. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> We're busy when we travel. That's Matthew. right. You're busy with we other things. You've got other <laughs> other things to do other than go to bookstores. Um, okay, so. We're out of time, so I just want to ask one last thing. Is there anything? And I asked you this question. When did I ask you this? Oh, I asked you this question live at a bookstore reading. I was just curious. Oh, and I asked Jesse this. I think I'm thinking of both. Okay. Are there any things that you just really wish you that you had to leave out in the interest of space that because it's again it's so hard to narrow down so is just anything that jumps out are you pretty happy with where it all ended up given the 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 limitations that were imposed upon you i mean i i think it's really hard to write a book like this because you you can't include everything and the book is not meant to be all-inclusive it's i'm going to use it again it's an idea generator a curiosity uh, Buster, you know, like take the book yeah, and go dig around, you know, go walk through a neighborhood and start at the place we recommend and, and look around. Um, I wish we could include everything. I can't think of, well, I wish we had included the word independent in Maya Angelou fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's that, but, um, <laughs> but I, I can't think of anything. We really did try to, to be, offer a lot of variety, yep. but we, we, do. we did not, intend to be all-inclusive and there's no possible way we could have so i know it's cheating the answer to the question but i don't know how to answer that i would love to (laughs) have the book this thing a thousand i think you could write a thousand things to do yeah but i'm sure jill might have an answer as well well i'm going with kimberly's answer (laughs) but also i I, there are some that i i felt like i really wanted but i knew that it just wasn't going to fit like carnival Mm, yeah, that's I a good know, one. I felt bad not including Carnival. It's not because I don't care or that it's not as important as the things that made it in. But it do you just think you're culturally insensitive? I mean, was that a lack of cultural it's sensitivity not possible. to include Carnival? Yeah, because it's a great event. Yeah. 
I know Carnival is great. I mean, imagine that you're one but of the you're one of the Carnival org organizers, and you pick up this book. You're all excited. You can't wait to see your and you're not mentioned. And you're not there. Imagine how that feels. We don't have Litquake in there. I know, and Matthew did shout that out oh, too. Oh, that was mentioned yeah. briefly. Yeah, that's right. We did oh, mention it. Did you have a whole thing on Litquake? Yeah, I'm gonna tell you. Okay, mm. tell me. If okay, I know. we think Litquake okay. is included in. We're we're doing the research right now, except we don't have time, so for, we the don't have time for the research. So maybe so, hey, um, buy Kimberly the book can and do look it up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Kimberly can do the research while Jill is talking. It's time for our giveaway. Okay, oh, oh. it is. Okay. It's time for the moment, the moment that everyone online has been waiting for. I pray that one of you remembers the answer to the question. Jill, would you like to ask the question? So, well, I have to I have to re-explain, I guess, how this yeah. works for because okay, some people did tune in after we got started. Um, so the, the way this is going to work is, can I interrupt? okay, can you give her the mic while she's interrupting? I'm interrupting to say that we do have show your love for the written word at Litquake as okay. one of our standalone All right. entries. All okay, right. good. So, we, so no, I didn't <laughs> read it. No, that wasn't her thing. That wasn't her thing. Okay. No, Litquake is included. Thank I'm glad God. it's in there. All right. Yes. And I'll be speaking at Litquake, by the way, I'll be reading at Litquake this year, Lit Crawl this year. Nice segue. Got to throw that out there. I'm very excited about that. On the 20th. Oh, we just got some love. I never seen that before. I got love. I'm, I'm guessing that was from Matthew for mentioning Litquake. Um, Yay. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, but, but I have to explain. So basically, uh, not basically. So we're going to ask a question that was already covered earlier in, in, in our conversation. And the first person who, who texts in, oh, yeah, there are more love. And then I did see Matthew's face because this is the first time someone's thrown in icons like that. So this is new to me. <laughs> Thank you for the love, Matthew. Yeah, there's an icon, you know, the little face when people are leaving. And it's actually, it's drawing. It's a drawing. He's got a drawing of his face oh, on there. It's way more sophisticated than mine, which is just the picture. Okay, so the first person who answers the question on Facebook that Jill is about to ask, she's posing for the camera, so I need to put the camera back on her. It's okay. I cannot I'm pose. doing a lot of things <laughs> at once here. Okay, now you can pose again for the camera. Yeah. Yeah, the book, there's the book. We'll do a little Jill, banana. what is the question? What is the official name of the color of the Golden Gate Bridge? Okay, I'm waiting to see. I hope someone writes in. Can you tell my aunt, Jan, to write in? Aunt Jan, you're supposed to write in. Kimberly is telling <laughs> you to write in. We want to give away this book. No one wants it? No one, no one knows the answer. Oh. No, one knows, no one is responding with an answer. I can't read it. Oh, oh no, Matthew... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't scroll down. Matthew said International Orange. The book That's goes right. to Matthew James DeCoster, who has basically yeah, been yeah. has basically been a guest on today's show yeah. along with us. I know. You've been mentioned a lot. We appreciate well, he's been very actively participating and yeah. chiming in at key moments. <laughs> and so we, love we do love it. We appreciate it. So Jane, Matthew James DeCoster is the winner. Yeah. Uh, this is a great boom. He's really excited. I can feel the excitement through Facebook. Send so, more love. So um yeah, he's going to send more love. All right, so that's that. Um, all right, so we got to wrap up today's show. Thank you very much, Jill. Thank you very much, Kimberly. This was a lot of fun. And let me just throw out your links. So it's Kimberly Lovato. Kimberly is K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y Lovato.com. Jill is at DangerJillRobinson.com, which is super cute. Uh, any other links? You don't have a link for the book, a specific we website. Do. You do. Okay. It's 100... Things sf.net. Okay, 100things.sf.net. Oh. 
No, I threw 100 an extra dot. <laughs> sf.net. No. Yeah, okay. Uh, when is you have an event this week? Also, let's throw that out there before yep, we're we wrap Books up. Yeah, we're at Book on Chestnut Street, Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, Book Sync on Chestnut, Thursday, 7 o'clock. And we are at the uh, Napa Valley Book Fest, October 6th. All right, so a couple great events coming up. Thank you very much for being here today. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. And Thank I you. look forward to edition three or whatever else you guys have going on. 20% more. 20% more. Yes. All right. That is all for today. Next week, Zoe Elton from the Mill Valley Film Festival will be making a return visit to talk about this year's festival and what's happening right now in the world of film. I had so much fun with Zoe last time she was on, and I'm so excited that she said that she would come back to talk about this year's festival. Uh, thanks again to today's guests, travel writers Kimberly Lovato and Jill Robinson, authors of the new book, 100 Things to Do in San Francisco Before You Die. And last but certainly not least, thank you for tuning in and for watching and for listening. If you like the show, please share on social media. Please subscribe. Please rate and review. That is the only way the word gets out, and I really, really appreciate it. Last but certainly not least, for more about me, my website is MatthewFelix.com, and links to my social media, books, podcasts, and all the rest can be found there. If you have any comments, ideas for the show, or just want to say hello, you can email me at felixonair at matthewfelix.com. Thanks again for watching and listening, and have a great week.